to Armageddon. This is part two. You can go online and hear part one if you would like to and you miss that. Facebook page, website, and uh, this service will be on, in our church online service, which is at 6 p.m. every Sunday. But I want to come back. We talked about the feasts of the Lord, that we can see the fulfillment of all of biblical prophecy in the seven feasts given to Israel. I'm not going to go back over all of that, but we landed on the fifth out of the seven uh, feasts last Sunday, Feast of Trumpets, talking about the significance of the Feast of Trumpets. One of the things that is very significant about the Feast of Trumpets that I believe, according to Scripture, the rapture of the church will happen during the Feast of Trumpets, which happens in the fall, September, October of the year annually in the Jewish calendar, of course. Of course. But I want to come back and just talk a little bit more about the significance of the rapturing, the catching away of the church of the bride of Christ from the earth at the sounding of the last trump. Now, actually, one of the reasons for Jesus' first coming was to prepare the world for his second coming. His first appearing was to prepare us all for his second appearing. And we need to understand something. The rapture, at the rapture of the church, the Bible tells us Jesus will appear in the clouds. He will appear in the clouds, <clears throat> excuse me, to catch us who are alive and remain away to join him in the air. At the rapture of the church, Jesus does not touch his foot down onto the earth. He does that at the second coming, not the, <clears throat> excuse me, second appearing, but the second Coming, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the distinction between the two. But at the second appearing, that's the rapture of the church. We're caught away to be with the Lord forever in heaven. And at that catching away, the tribulation period, that great tribulation period the Bible talks about and we're going to look at in detail, begins. It's a seven-year period of time where all of the judgments and the wrath of God begin to be poured out in the earth. And we're going to look at that more closely this morning. So understand that on the day of Christ's ascension, after he rose again, an angel appeared to that crowd that had gathered and said this, the same Jesus, this is Acts chapter 1 verse 11, which is taken up for you from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him Go. So he made it very clear, Jesus, this same Jesus is going to come back again. And folks, we are instructed, we are urged, we are exhorted throughout Scripture by Jesus and the, later the writers of the rest of the New Testament to live our lives watching and waiting for his appearing, for his second appearing, which is the rapture. We're to live our lives watching and waiting for the catching away of the, of the bride of Christ to join Jesus in the air. Scripture is clear that he's coming. He's only going to appear to those watching for his appearing. He's only going to come again for those longing for his appearing. And at the rapture, that great seven-year great tribulation period, the judgment of the wicked in the earth begins. Titus chapter 2, two uh, a couple of verses starting in verse 11. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that appears or that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Look at this. While we wait for the blessed hope. Now, I grew up in the era of King James-only Bibles. And I can still hear my pastor today saying, The blessed hope. <laughs> the blessed hope. It's the ble- While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming again. The rapture is that second appearing of Jesus in the clouds to catch us away. He doesn't touch his foot on the earth, but he's coming back to touch his foot on the earth. And we're going to talk about that in the second coming later. But the rapture of the bride of Christ is that single event that sets in motion the catastrophic judgments of heaven and of of the wrath of God that are going to begin to be unleashed upon the earth starting starting with the seven-year great tribulation period. Now, Jesus tells us nobody knows the day or the hour, the moment, but we can know the season. We can know what it's like. And I want to dig into this just a little bit because Jesus, in telling them, when they said, what will the signs be like? What's it going to be like? Jesus has this discourse with the disciples in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to work our way through it starting in verse 22. Then he said to to his disciples, the time is coming When you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. Now, I want to pause right there. In verse 22, Jesus is referring to days. Times, seasons, a period of time. We're in the last days right now, the end days, if you will. But then in verse 24, he's very distinctively, he very specifically says, for the Son of Man in his day, in his day, will be like lightning which flat. I mean, I believe that's a reference to when he appears in the sky, in, in that day that he appears But verse 25 goes on to say, But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Now verse 26, Just as it was in the days, again plural of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. Life was happening. Kind of like it does now. Up to the day. Now here, don't miss the distinction. Days, <clears throat> like the days of Moa, Noah, Moa, Noah, up until the day Noah entered the ark. And the day, the moment Noah entered the ark and the ark was closed, that great judgment called the great flood was unleashed upon. After the holy ones, the righteous, the family of Noah, were rescued, shut up in that ark to be protected and kept, the judgment of the flood began. Don't miss that, because Jesus is the one telling us it'll be like the days of Noah when he gets ready to come again and receive us unto himself. 
<clears throat> excuse me, in the very next verse, he goes on to say, Jesus, it was the same as in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day, now the days and day, let's not miss that. Lot left Sodom fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed, and I'm going to say in the clouds, in the sky. Lot and his family were delivered out before the fire of judgment fell. And Jesus says to us, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. Then the day they were shut into the ark. I believe that is a prophetic picture of the trumpet, the last trump sounding and Jesus appearing. Then the judgment of the flood came. Not before, not during, not until after they were protected, shut into the ark, Lot's family delivered out of Sodom before the fire fell. Well, let's just look at that a little bit with, with Lot. Now, Lot's in Sodom. He's chosen to go there and the, the wickedness of Sodom. We don't have to go through all that. Came up before the Lord. God's going to destroy the city. And, and Abraham said, well, you, will you at least let me you know, re rescue Lot, who is Abraham's nephew and his family? And God said yes. And he sent some angels to, to give the message to Lot and his family. And we read this in Genesis chapter 19, starting in verse 16. When he... Lot hesitated to get them out. The men, these are angels, grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. They're led out first. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. And the angel said, he said to him, very well, I will grant this request to, look, I will not overthrow the town you speak of. But the next verse, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. The judgment is not coming to the rest of the earth until I deliver you out. And God is the one, Jesus is the one telling us that before the day of his appearing, it'll be as it was in the days, plural, of Noah and of Lot. And we see the picture there so clearly. When the day came, they were in the ark and the door shut. The flood came and, and, and the entire earth was destroyed. Lot, I mean, Noah and his family were delivered out, were spared. Lot and his family delivered out and spared before the judgment of the fire and brimstone fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed. My, the point I'm trying to make, and we're going to continue making this point, is that the wickedness of the earth, the Christ-rejecting generation on the earth are the ones on the receiving end of the wrath of God. Not the saints, not the bride of Christ. We are delivered out 
And from, well, let's look. Paul says it very clearly to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, let me tell you something. There is nothing that we have been through on this earth since the flood, the great flood, that is even a measure of the wrath of God. I'm going to help us in this series understand the difference between judgments of God and the wrath of God. The judgments of God still have mercy. There is still mercy in the judgments of God. The wrath of God, there is no more mercy because we are alive in the earth as judgments sometimes come to the earth. We're still here. We know there's mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We know that the word says that. We're still here. So the wrath of God will not and cannot come until the righteous are taken away, taken out of the way, and then the wrath of God, beginning with that seven-year tribulation period. It's not all just in the seven years because then the millennial reign of Christ and all of that after the battle of Armageddon. But it begins being poured out on the wickedness and on, on evil and wicked men. And we're going to read that. Be sure to understand that. We have experienced many judgments of God. You know, sometimes God will use weather. I believe that. He'll use the, tra- the, the huge storm or the huge earth. God will use nature to bring about judgment sometimes because in these judgments, God always desires redemption. He always desires and, and, and wants the mercy element to triumph over the judgments but not when it comes to his wrath. The prophet Zephaniah. Let's read two verses there. You'll see it. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 17. He's describing this period scripture calls the great tribulation that is coming to the earth. I will bring such distress on all people. See, God is not going to do that to the saints. We're not going to be here. We're not going to be here. I will bring such distress on all people. Look at this. They will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Now, you know, that's the scripture. That's the word, a little graphic right there. Neither, look at this, neither in the next verse, their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. That's coming to the earth after the saints are taken away. Let me continue to show you the rapture of the saints will occur before the start of the great tribulation period. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Since we now have been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved? How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Him who? Jesus. 
Jesus says, and he goes on to say in Luke chapter 17, a couple of verses I didn't read, the next two, verse 34 and 35, Jesus speaking, I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. And let me just pause here and answer exactly who it is that's going to be raptured at his appearing. Who will be raised from the dead at his appearing to join him in the clouds? Well, it is not the entire capital C church. <laughs> it is not the entirety of the body of Christ. It is only the bride of Christ. Out of the body of Christ will emerge and rise the bride of Christ. Jesus is the one who said, everybody that, not just everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord. There are a whole lot of people a part of the capital C church. They don't know Jesus. The blood has not been applied. They're not walking in relationship with Him. They've chosen a form of godliness that denies all the power of the cross. Out of the body will come the bride. Now Matthew 25, I'm not going to go there, is the story that is referred to as the story of the ten virgins. Virgin always represents the holy. Virgin represents holiness, purity, set apart. I believe it's a representation of the church as Jesus told that story. The ten virgins went in. They were a part of the church. They were set part of the set apart. They were part of the body of Christ, if you will. But then the alarm, the, the, trump, the trump sounded. The bridegroom cometh. The cry was given. And there were five who had been watching and waiting. Five were ready. Five had been longing for his appearing. So they had extra oil. They had prepared for the watch, not knowing the moment, the day nor the hour the bridegroom would come. And when the trump sounded, five were ready. Five were not. All ten were virgins. All ten part of the body, if you will. All ten part of capital C church. Not all ten made it in. The five were ready. The other five were not. The five came into the wedding party, the wedding ceremony banquet, and the Bible, and Jesus says the door was shut. And the five foolish virgins, they've come to be known, the five wise and the five foolish were shut out. I believe that confirms what I'm saying, that all of those who attend church are not going to be caught up. They're not going to be included. Only those truly washed in the blood of the Lamb that lived their lives watching and waiting and longing for His appearing who understand that His appearing is something I desire and I want because after all, heaven is so much better than this. Hallelujah. Now I want us to look at Real quick, and you'll see me doing a lot of reading because I don't want to miss any of the details here. I'm going to read to you some of the details of the ancient Jewish wedding ceremony. The hopeful bridegroom would go to the home of his potential bride carrying three things. 
his best financial offering, a betrothal, betrothal contract, and a skin of new wine. Notice not one of those three was an engagement ring or a diamond. <laughs> now don't shout me down, ladies. Anyway, I move on from that. If the father was impressed and accepted the bridegroom's offer, he would call his daughter for her response. If things were acceptable to her, the bride-to-be drank of the wine. This do as often as you do it in remembrance of me. I'm coming again for you. And a trumpet or shofar would be sounded throughout the father's house to announce the betrothal. During the following year or of betrothal, the couple could not see each other alone. A chaperone always accompanied them wherever they went. Jesus said, in a, in a few days, in a little bit, you're not going to see me anymore. But the Holy Spirit is going to accompany you. It's going to chaperone you through life until I come to catch you away unto myself to be where I am. During this year, the bridegroom went to his father's house to prepare a place, a chupa in Hebrew, or a wedding chamber. Now, no wedding invitations were sent out. If people preparing their personal calendar wanted to reserve a day for the ceremony, they had a problem. You see, when the young man was asked for the date of his wedding, he would always and only be able to reply, no man knows except my father. Why? Because he could not go get his bride until the father approved of the son's preparations. Ooh. The bride, therefore, had to be in a constant state of readiness lest her bridegroom's arrival catch her by surprise. Often, she would sleep with a lamp burning in the window with an extra jar of oil on hand, lest the bridegroom come at night and find her unprepared. Well, there's a reference to the story of the virgins right there. When the groom's father decided everything was in place and released his son to go and Catch his bride, get his bride. A second trumpet shofar was blown. This trumpet, to announce the groom's coming, was called the last trump. At that moment, the bridegroom would come, take her from her father's, to her, I mean, from her earthly father's house to his father's house. His father would be waiting to see the couple and then the groom's father would take the hand of the bride, place it in the hand of his son. At that moment, she became his wife and that act was called the presentation. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 verse 25 and we need this, we need this in the King's English. You know I'm going to give you a dose of the King's English before we go home today. In the King James, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word that he might present. That's the word. The presentation. 
present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And then Paul concludes that discourse in verse 32 with these words, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Wow. What a beautiful picture of what our Heavenly Father has prepared for us. Our bridegroom is soon going to come for us. Make no mistake. We must wait with our ears open. We must wait with our eyes open. We must wait longing for His appearing, longing to see Him with that burning in our hearts. We must wait with lamps trimmed and burning with extra oil on hand. We must wait with our garments washed and ready. We must listen for the sounding of that last trumpet. For we are not going through the great tribulation. We're going home to that city whose builder and maker is God. We're going home to a place where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more murder, no more chemo, no more cancer, no more cancel culture, no more COVID, and no more politics. I can't wait. We're going home to that place prepared by our bridegroom. That place where the Lamb of God is the light. And there is no more night. Hallelujah. There's a place. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to, to that, there to prepare, prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. That where I am, you will be also for all of eternity. Man, and we only get a glimpse. We get a glimpse. We get a glimpse of that heavenly place, that place called heaven, where we will live forever. That place where some of you have loved ones right now. And I know you just thought of them in this moment. So many that have gone on before. There's going to be a grand reunion and a grand celebration soon and very soon. We are going to go see the king. We're going to see him as he is. And we're going to be like him. And we're going to be with him forever. That place called heaven. There are windows. It has doors. It has massive columns. It has fire. It has thunders and lightnings. It has a throne. It has a river that flows from the throne of God. It has trees that bear fruit. It has the tree of life in the midst of one of its many beautiful gardens. It has 12 gates of pearl. It has streets of pure gold, so pure that it's transparent. There is a temple there. It has music and singing and many other unique sounds. It has myriads of angels and other living creatures. It has a city called the New Jerusalem. This is just a little description of that place Jesus is preparing for all of us all of those of us who are betrothed unto him through faith. Hallelujah. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot, so shall it be 
in the days of the soon appearing of the Son of Man. He tells us in Luke chapter 21, verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. My friend, there are earthquakes in strange places right now. Tsunamis, typhoons, hurricanes in strange places doing a lot of destruction. Wildfires, brush fires, droughts, famines. Nations are in anguish. Jesus says people will faint from terror. Apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Mm. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. Hallelujah. Jesus said, even so, in verse 31, when you see these things happening, you'll know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, in verse 32, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. He goes on to say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Then he, then he, then he warns us, be careful. Now, when Jesus says, be careful, you better be careful. Or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day, day not days, that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Now, that's how the rapture is described. In a moment in the flash twinkling of an eye. And I don't know, can you see a mouse trap when it triggers? You can't even see it. It's too fast to see it. Jesus says, like a trap. For it will come on those who live on the face of the whole earth. The next verse, verse 36, again, Jesus saying, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And we do have an escape. The escape is, has the blood been applied to the doorposts of your heart? Because when, when God sees the blood, you'll be caught up with Him in the rapture. You'll be spared from the judgment of the great tribulation and forward that is going to come. The wrath of God unleashed upon all of the wickedness of the earth. People will faint. From the terror. And Jesus was very clear and very strong. Be careful. Be always on the watch. He says in Mark this way, but about the day or the hour, that moment no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Just like in that ancient wedding betrothal, Jewish wedding betrothal. Verse 33, be on guard, be alert. Jesus speaking. You do not know that moment, when that moment will come. And so I want to ask you today, as we bring this, this part to a close, has the blood been applied? 
You see, there are way too many people going through this life as if this life is all there is. Now, let me even say it this way. There are way too many of God's people going through this life as if this life is all that there is. When it comes to end-of-life issues, it does not matter who you know if you do not know Jesus. It does not matter who you know if you do not know Jesus. So again, has the blood been applied? The blood of the spotless Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, has His blood been applied to the doorpost of your heart? Do you know that you know that you know that when He splits the sky, and like, as we just read, like, almost like lightning. Again, you can't see lightning, can you? Where did it come from? Where did it go? You just, sometimes you get a little flash. That's all you get. It had an origin and it had an end, a beginning and an end, but we can't see it like a trap. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that quick. <clears throat> well, people can be saved during the tribulation, you know, if something happened and I were to miss the rapture, I'll just get saved in the tribulation. Yeah, I'm going to talk more about that next Sunday. The Bible tells us that there is that that prevents the wrath of God from being poured out in the earth. That that prevents it is the, the church. We are the agency through which the Holy Spirit is resident in the earth. I don't know. Can you even imagine? I cannot even imagine the moment that the church, the bride of Christ, the agency of the presence of God, the agency of the Holy Spirit who convicts people of sin is lifted from the earth. What will that very next moment be like where there is no grace in the earth anymore? So don't, 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 don't you dare be one. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, I missed it. I was compromising and living a compromise. But, I'll, you know, I know what I missed, so I'll just get saved in, during the tribulation. Even if they execute me, psh, I'm... You know. The Holy Spirit will no longer be active in the earth. Who draws us to salvation? The Holy Spirit. Might there be some out of sheer willpower... Sheer willpower. Get saved during the tribulation. I'm not going to say no, but it'll be by sheer willpower when you can neither buy nor sell without you take the mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, there is no going back. It's over. I want to ask you again today, I'm never assuming anything Certainly not during a series like this. Are you sure the blood's applied? Are you sure you know Jesus? Are you sure your name is written in his book? <clears throat> Everybody bow your heads just so that nobody looks around. This is not about anybody else knowing. This is between the individual and God. I only ask that you raise your hand for me to see so I know how to pray right here. If you're like, Pastor, I don't know. I am not sure. 
I want to be sure that I'm one of the five virgins that were wise, that had their oil ready, and they went into the bridegroom. I want to know that the blood's been applied. I want to know I'm a part of the bride, that spotless bride that's going to be joined to her bridegroom one day. I want to know, and I'm not sure, but I want to be sure, because you can be sure. Can I see your hand across this room? Anybody? I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. Let me see your hand. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Is there another one? Let me see your hand quickly, and I'm going to pray. Yes, God bless you. Is there another one? Is there any more? Let's stand together all across this building. I want to invite those of you that raised your hand, would you be willing to take the next step and come and just meet me right here for a prayer so we can make it a little more personal? You don't have to, because the point of this is not for anyone to be embarrassed. God does not embarrass people. But if you, if you are comfortable to step down here and join me, I, either way, I'm going to pray for you. Either way, I'm praying for you. But if you want to come, I invite you to do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. You are responding now, Holy Spirit, to the one who responded to you. I want to be sure. Now, Holy Spirit, you, and you will continue to bear witness with each of them when they leave this place. They're not going to walk out of this building and walk out of the presence of God. They're not going to walk out of this building and be out from under the eye and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're going with them from this day forward. You're going to remind them of what they heard today. You're going to remind them of how they responded. You're going to remind them, they said, I need Jesus. I want to be sure. I want to get up under the blood and be washed of my sins. And they're going to be washed and cleansed from this day forward. And they're going to walk with you hand in hand. They're going to know you. They're going to serve you because the times are now. The days of the end are now. And Lord, I'm not going to let that day, that moment, snap like a track a trap and catch me carousing distracted filled with the anxieties of life that's not going to happen when that trump sounds in that moment in that twinkling of an eye moment split second moment my feet are going to lift up off of this earth I'm going to be transfigured in in the air the dead in Christ are going to come up out of the grave first they're going to be resurrected with new bodies and we're going to all join you in the clouds go into heaven for the marriage supper of the lamb while all hell breaks loose against the wicked in the earth we will be celebrating with the lamb of God in the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven And so, Lord, I'm not going to miss. I will be counted among those who are ready, watching, living, careful, alert, watchful till till that day comes, that moment comes. And, Lord, I pray that over each and every person in this room. We will not succumb to the cares of life. Rather, we will cast them off. Every idea, thought, lie, accusation, pain, Distraction. We cast them at your feet, Lord Jesus. We lay them at the foot of the cross. And we are alert, watching and waiting and longing for your appearing, for your soon appearing. Hallelujah.
sing something. I see the blood, God said. You are included. Come on home. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys prepared, prepared for you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. God bless you today. You can be dismissed.